if I was alive in the first century, if I was uh, a Jew in Israel at the time, would I have recognized that the Messiah was here? Would I have been one that followed or would I have been one that rejected? And, and the course of this epiphany has re-raised that question in my mind. And it sparks that further question like, when he comes back, will I, will I know? Will I know that he's back? Will I see that the Messiah has returned? And will I be one that responds appropriately to that? Or will I find myself on the other, on the, on the other side of it? So that's just um, part of what this exploring of questions does. It raises more questions. Today's uh, question um, from the gospel that we're going to explore is the question of, have you not read? There are a few times in the gospels where Jesus poses this question to people in conversation. Uh, four that we're specifically going to look at. In Matthew 12, first of all, Jesus is being confronted uh, by the Pharisees on the question of keeping the Sabbath because his apostles are breaking the Sabbath by gathering grain for food during that time. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, are trying to trick him, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who are with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So that's just one example. And then the second example that we're going to look at is in Matthew 19 where Jesus, again, is being confronted by Pharisees who are trying to trap him and trick him on a question about divorce. And what they're trying to do is trip him up in what appears to be a conflict within Scripture. And Jesus responds to them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce to send her away? Trying to trip him up onto conflicts within scripture. And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. What Jesus is doing here is reminding the Pharisees of what they should already know, of what Scripture has already revealed to them, that these things are not inconsistent, but that God is the God of the first statement and the God of the second statement, that he can meet people in the midst of their sin despite what the law previously required to reveal the nature of God. The third one that we're going to look at here on this question is in Matthew 22, where the Sadducees confront Jesus on the issue of resurrection. I learned when I was in, I think, junior high school, you know how you, you know what a Sadducee is? The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, so they were sad, you see. You can remember it that way, right? So the Sadducees, who do not believe in the resurrection of the dead, are trying to trick and trap Jesus on this question of the resurrection. Again, by raising this issue of what the scripture may or may not say. And Jesus answered to them, you are wrong because you know neither scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. 
And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And so Jesus, calling the Pharisees back to what they should have known already, is that God is a God of this generation and the next generation and the next generation and the following generation. And he remains the God of those generations, the God of the living and not of the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. And he questions them, have you not read? The fourth one in scripture that we see is in Mark. And this is in Mark uh, chapter 12. And Jesus tells this parable of the tenants. And he says, a man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. And again, he's talking to the Pharisees. He's teaching the Pharisees here. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he was sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out in the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in in our eyes. And again, Jesus is drawing people back to something that they should have already known based upon the scripture that was already revealed to them. That they should have known that he... Jesus was the Messiah come to fulfill the law and to fulfill the prophets. And that if the prophets had been paying attention, or if the Pharisees had been paying attention, they would have caught that and they would have known that when they saw him. And so throughout these stories, what we see is Jesus calling out through that question, have you not read this point that if you were paying attention, you would have known that I am who the scripture said I would be. And that's the question that he poses for them. Now, it's kind of easy in in this text to sort of see that question as something of a throwaway question. Because in each one of those stories, he says, have you not read? And then continues to teach. And And it's simply a rhetorical question that Jesus asked to bring a broader point. And this brings us back to last week when Justin taught us about that symbol, meaning the rhetorical question. And so this have you not read is a rhetorical question. And there's two answers to a rhetorical question, right? They're internal, you answer them yourself, and that rhetorical question is, yeah, of course, or no. It's like when a parent goes to a child and says, have you not cleaned your room? (laughs) Knowing full well that the child has not cleaned the room, the answer can only be a lie, yes, I did, or they can acknowledge the rhetorical question and say no. And so the rhetorical question brings these people to a place where they have to acknowledge the truth of what the question is asking. Common theme throughout the Gospels, as we've already said, is that Jesus is going to people to see whether they are prepared for the Messiah that they've been waiting all the time for. And so this question of... uh, of 
have you not read, is really a question of, are you prepared? And what he's asking and what he reveals through the teaching is, another way to state this is, why are you surprised? Have you not read? Why are you surprised that this is true? Why are you surprised that this thing is revealed to you? Now, obviously, the Pharisees, when they confront Jesus, are trying to trick him. And they're trying to trap him in something where he can theoretically destroy himself. So his response to them, his answer to them, this question of have you not read, may seem sort of inapplicable to us today. Uh, But lest we think we're not the Pharisees, that we think we're better than the Pharisees, Remember, the one thing that separates the Pharisees from the regular people in Israel was their access to Scripture. They had access to Scripture. Now, the people in the first century in in Israel were largely literate people, but the Pharisees themselves had broad access to the Scriptures. And they knew or should have known exactly what these Scriptures should or did say. We are in the same boat. We have that same access. So to put ourselves in a position above the Pharisees is incorrect. And for the sake of this question, have you not read, it is important for us to place ourselves in that boat because we have that same access to Scripture. Indeed, we have even greater access that that the Pharisees probably never could have dreamed of. And so in short, when Jesus is asking this question, have you not read, he's asking, why are you surprised? When I reveal myself the the way that I am, Why are you surprised that I end up doing or being something that you don't expect? It was always right there in front of you. The scripture was always right there in front of you. The Pharisees were equipped with everything that they needed to understand the character and nature of God so that when he came, they would not be surprised. And so too it is with us. He's equipped us with his words that we can be familiar with and know his nature and character fully. As such, like the Pharisees and the people of the first century, we should not be surprised at life and its trials, nor should we be surprised when Jesus shows up or doesn't show up or moves or doesn't move in the way that we expect. And it reminds me of C.S. Lewis in the famous Chronicles of Narnia, when he says that Aslan is not a tame lion, right? That's the allegory of Jesus, who's not tame. But the Pharisees would have known that had they really sought to understand the scripture. And in the same way, that question, have you not read, poses that question to us. Should we be surprised when Jesus does what his nature would have him do or doesn't do what we expect him to do. Scripture tells us that we can know him. The word of God says that we can know him. He's knowable. His nature and character are revealed in scripture. And there are just many examples of this where that question, have you not read, is fully applicable to us today. For have we not read that we will face trials of many kinds Have we not read that loyalty to Jesus means separation and possible enmity with family? Have we not read that it was always his plan that we be part of his family? Have we not read that Jesus came to find and save the lost sheep? Have we not read that the last will be first and the first will be last? 
Have we not read that he came to give us life, though, and to give it to us abundantly? Have we not read that if we ask, he will answer? If we seek, we will find, and if we knock, the door will be open to us. Have we not read that God does not show favoritism? Have we not read that true religion is caring for the widow and the orphan and the alien? Have we not read that what God desires is obedience and not sacrifice? Have we not read that any time we care for or clothe someone that is naked, feed someone who is hungry, or visit someone in prison that we've done the same thing for him? Have we not read that if we want to follow him, we must take up our cross and do so? Scripture is full of Jesus revealing his character in a way that catches us off guard. That is part of the pure nature of the gospel itself, that what we are expecting may be the last thing that he does, or the thing that he does, or the kingdom that he brings is not the thing that we're anticipating. Have we not read through the text that all of these things are just some of the ways that the gospel is made real, through ways that may not make sense for what we are expecting or anticipating? Because at its core, this question is a question about anticipation and expectation. For those that are anticipating or expecting the kingdom of God to show up, Jesus' question is always, have you not read? Because maybe it's showing up. Maybe I'm here and you're just not noticing. Have you not read, this is who I am? And so that question is posed for people that are truly seeking. He poses it to the Pharisees because he knows That's his judgment on them. That's that rhetorical question to the kid that hasn't cleaned his room. But for those that are honestly seeking and honestly asking, he's big enough to handle those questions of why isn't the kingdom showing up the way that I think it should? Or why hasn't Jesus shown up the way that I think he should? Or I'm anticipating that Jesus will show up. How will he do so? And so that question is a good one for us too. Have you not read? Have you not read the ways that I will show up? Have you not read the way that my kingdom will be real in your life? Do not be surprised when that happens. We're in a season now of Advent and Epiphany where we are all about expecting the coming of the Lord Jesus. We celebrate the story of Christmas, of when he first came, And we're reminded every day, if we're paying attention, of the expectation of the coming of the Messiah, of the coming of the Deliverer, and how his kingdom will be revealed in our lives. But the question, Cornerstone, is what are we actually anticipating? What are we expecting? What am I anticipating this Jesus to look like in my life? What am I expecting his kingdom to be in the world around me? Is it just the hoped-for joy and peace of the season? Or is there more to the temple here? Is there more than Christmas here? Is there more than the season of expectation here in our world and in our lives? Remember, the people of Israel were waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. Thousands of years, they were waiting for the Deliverer to come. They had been waiting for the advent for a long, long time. 
And they had the scripture that revealed the character of God to them, but they entirely missed it for the most part. Some were paying attention. And that's one of those things about the gospel, right? The ones that paid attention were the meek and the poor and the weak. And the ones that missed it were the ones that should have known better because they had read, right? They were waiting for a long time and they largely missed it. In the midst of asking their existential questions of life and the world, in the midst of pouring over the scripture to find the formula for how God was going to fix those things, they entirely missed him. In the end, it turned out that the Messiah that they were looking for was both less than they expected he would be, a homeless, poor, itinerant teacher from Nazareth, but he was also way more than they expected that he would be because he was the son of the master himself. And they weren't expecting that, but they should have known because they read and they should have been ready for that, but they weren't. If only they had actually read with the intent to understand, they might not have been taken by surprise and they, at least maybe fewer of them, might have been caught up in killing him. Simple application today of that question, have you not read, could easily be, um, I need to read my Bible more, (laughs) right? And if you're feeling that, like, oh, there's judgment and guilt here because I don't know my scripture well enough. It's okay. It's a powerful point to take from this, right? Because as we said, we have access to the word of God in a way that these people back then could have only dreamed. And so that question, have you not read, is one that we are certainly responsible for. So yes, we should read the scripture. Yes, we should know what the word of God says. But there's more to that question than just that condemnation or shame that I hope you don't feel. But there's more to that than just read your Bible, people. The point of that question, have you not read, is that have you not sought to know who I am deep fullness of my character and nature so that when I show up, I can be revealed to you. Band, you can come back up. Today, just like the people from 2,000 years ago, we ask a lot of questions. We ask a lot of questions that are existential, big, broad questions, and small questions as well. We inquire of the Lord as to why things are the way that they are. We inquire of the Lord as to why things aren't the way that we think they should be. Questions of pain and healing, questions of joy and heartbreak, questions of life and death, questions of frustration and triumph, questions of defeat and victory. These are things that we are very familiar with, just like the people back then. But today, as we ask those questions, what are we expecting? What are we truly anticipating? Are those things that we're expecting and anticipating enough? Are we asking deep enough questions for what that's going to look like? In the annual season of Advent that we're in, we celebrate the incarnational coming of the Lord Jesus. In the past, but also in the present and with the expectation of looking to the future. 
And just like the people back then, we may think we know what that means. But he continues to pose the question, have you not read? Because he wants us to know deeper of what his character is. And so in that continual spirit of Advent that we are in, we're reminded that Jesus himself is the question. We need to be asking that question of who Jesus is in these spaces where we are. We must be careful in this time of expectation and anticipation of the coming Savior to not miss him when he shows up. To not miss the kingdom when it becomes real in the world around us. Again, while waiting for him, we must be careful not to miss him. There is something greater than the temple here. There is something greater than Christmas here. And that's nothing less than the person of Jesus himself. Cornerstone, the gospel and the kingdom are all around us. And he's asking, have you not read? Because it's here. So the challenge for us in the coming weeks, in the coming 10 days prior to Christmas, in the weeks that follow, in the months that follow, in the years that follow after that, is are we ready? Are we prepared to see the gospel and the kingdom that exists all around us? Do we really know who this Jesus is? Do we really know the king of glory? Are we ready for him to be real in our world? Are we ready for him to be incarnate truly in our lives as we go forth? Because the scripture reveals him fully. Will we even recognize when it happens? Will we recognize that kingdom around us when it occurs? Or have we filled our minds and expectations with things that are not actually of his nature and character? So the question remains, have you not read? Do not be surprised. The opportunity is there to know Jesus in our lives as we approach the season. As we continue past that season, the opportunity is there. We're moving now into a a time of communion and a time of prayer as well. And that time of communion is a time for us to physically participate in that incarnational nature of the Jesus who is real today. Because have we not read that we are to eat his flesh and drink his blood? And he invites us into that space to partake of the incarnational Jesus who is alive today, who came that we would have life and offers it today. At the same time, we're going to have a time of prayer. As we said at the start, these questions pose more questions. And the question has been posed to each of us. Where are you expecting the gospel to show up in your life? Where are you expecting Jesus to come and be revealed in your life and in your world? Where are you expecting the kingdom to made to be made real in the world around you? Those questions are there for prayer. To seek those answers, to seek deeper and fuller knowledge of the king of glory who has come and is here today. Or maybe you've got questions of, I thought Jesus was showing up and he didn't show up. I thought the kingdom was going to be like this and doesn't look like that in my life. And he's big enough for those questions too. And he doesn't want you to be surprised. And he wants those things to be revealed. He wants to reveal himself in your life. So Jason and Christy, during our time of communion, will be in the back praying with you. We invite everyone with those questions 
to go to Jason and Christy and seek deeper understanding. They are ready. They're, they're looking forward to praying with you to seek the greater revelation of Jesus in your life and of the kingdom in our world. And maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Maybe he's never come into your life. Jason and Christy would love to pray with you so that he could be a part of your life. So as we take communion, we rip the bread, we dip it in the juice, we partake together as a family, we try not to form lines, although it's natural, but we gather around the table as one family to partake of the Jesus who is fully revealed to us if we are ready to receive him. So the table is open. Bring your prayers, bring your questions to God that you may seek better understanding and join us around the table of thanksgiving.